0: Thank you for watching this online message from Riverstone Church. We hope that this content encourages you and helps you further develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit riverstonechurch.net. There you can learn more about us, view additional messages, submit your prayer needs, and even give online. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 7 here in a little bit. Um... Times when I've been uh, privileged to uh, to pastor a uh, a church and kind of be the lead uh, preaching uh, pastor. Um, I've tended to preach on uh, the uh, third Sunday, depending on how it falls of January on uh, the sanctity of human life, and uh, this Sunday would have been that Sunday and so uh, I want to share a message uh, to you about this topic because I think it's very important. It impacts our uh, view of who we are uh, and how we view other people. and impacts many different areas of life. And so I think it's something that uh, we need to think about uh, biblically uh, time and time again. And so this provides a good opportunity for us to think about our uh, role as believers in advocating uh, for life from, uh, from the womb to the tomb all throughout uh, the existence. Uh, what is our role? What is our purpose as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? And so what I'm hopeful for is that this will not be one of those messages that you'll see as kind of thematic and those who it matters to tune in and those who it, you feel like, well, maybe it doesn't really matter to me so much, kind of tune out. And my hope is that you'll find that uh, this matters to all of us. I think this is very important because it's important for how we see uh, humankind, how we see our uh, race as humans in the existence of God's plan and what God has desired to us and how for us and how that works through scripture to impact what we're called to do in our day uh, today. We're we're a church that talks a lot about uh, doing things in our city and preaching the gospel, sharing the message of hope, uh, longing for believers uh, to fulfill their role, uh, asking the Lord to save those who have not come into relationship with him. And uh, why do we do those things? Why, why are we doing those things? Why are we trying to see people who are on their way to hell find the Lord Jesus Christ and be snatched from that kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light? Why are we a people that is desirous for that to happen? And I think it all comes back to really uh, why we were created uh, and in whose image we were created. And so it's important for us to think about that and reflect uh, on that. And so that's what I would like us to do today. If you'll stand with me as we read together the word of the Lord in Genesis chapter 9. This is just after the flood has subsided in the days of Noah. And uh, they have come out of uh, the ark. And in verse 9, Um, Chapter 9, verse 1, the word of the Lord says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky, with everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hand they are given. Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you as as I gave the green plant. Only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely I will require your life blood from every beast I will require it. And every man from every man's brother I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made them. As for you, be fruitful and multiply. Populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the public reading of Scripture. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together and to be in a place, Lord, where we can hear your word. And Lord, we pray today in this moment that you will give the understanding, God, that you will speak to us. Lord, I pray that you will use me as a vessel, not my own personal thoughts, not my own personal ideas, Lord, but ones that come from you. God, we ask you that earnestly, Lord. I ask you that, Lord. I pray, Lord, that nothing would be said today that would be a hindrance, Lord, to one spiritual growth, but that we would all walk away encouraged and blessed through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And you know, I be seated. So again, the, the, the context of this passage is uh, Noah as uh, just uh, gotten off the ark. Noah is a man who I admire greatly. Just kind of imagine what went on uh, during that time period. Uh, I fully believe in, uh, in a literal flood that impacted uh, the earth, that uh, Noah was in uh, the ark with these animals. And just imagine what was going on uh, with this dear brother, <laughs> over and over again in the ark, managing a boatload full of animals and your family being cooped up together. You know, we can't take it four or five days in a snowstorm. (laughs) Uh, We think about Noah and uh, he he really was uh, a man to be admired. And here in this passage, God is telling him what to do and how to start this kind of new community. So we had the population kind of from Adam and Eve increases out and then collapses uh, at uh, the flood and we have Noah and his family and that's it. And so now they are tasked with repopulating uh, the earth, essentially a renovated earth uh, from uh, the flood. And what God speaks to him in these first few moments about the importance of protecting human life because we are created in the image of God in verse seven that's exactly what is communicated. We have to protect life because we are created in the image of God now some before we kind of jump out into the meat of the message this morning, I, I do want to say that uh, I am not uh, preaching nor advocating a prohibition um, against uh, capital punishment uh, because I think this scripture actually speaks to that. That the Bible allows for the laws of man to execute justice on unrighteousness. Um, we're not going to dive fully into that today, but I, I don't believe of those who say that capital punishment is wrong theologically. I believe it is allowed by Scripture, and we can talk more about that at another time. But we are going to talk about the preciousness of life, particularly innocent life. And when innocent blood it has been uh, shed. And so tomorrow... Uh, is actually Sanctity of Human Life uh, Sunday. There was a proclamation issued by uh, President Reagan back in the 80s that designated this Sunday as uh, the Sanctity of Human Life. And so we have to ask ourselves, why is human life sacred? And verse 7 tells us, and Genesis chapter 1 also tells us, human life is sacred because we are created in the image of God. That when God created us, humans are the highest and best of the created order, that God created us uh, as the highest and crowning achievement of his creation. This is why we are different. This is why we are made in his image. And it doesn't mean the image of God as in God being a physical man with hands and fingers and and toes. God is not a body, uh, does not have a body like that, we understand from scripture. But God is a spirit who has a moral nature, and we are created in the spiritual and moral image of God. That is how we are created, in the spiritual and moral image of God. Now, if you were going to uh, try to overtake someone or attack someone, What would you try to go after first? You would try to go after what is most important to them, right? You would try to uh, infiltrate or take away or destroy or something to what is most important. If you follow world events lately, you have maybe heard in the news about uh, Russia uh, threatening to invade the Ukraine, Now, a little political lesson here that you may or may not know, but Ukraine is a member of NATO. NATO is the uh, North Atlantic uh, Treaty Organization, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And the countries that are part of NATO are pledged to help defend one another. And so Ukraine is part of NATO. And so with Russia threatening to invade Ukraine, NATO says, we're going to come alongside and we're going to push back against this threat against the Ukraine. And so it's a group of several countries, including the United States, that says we're, we're going to do something if Russia invades. Now, is there a political will to do certain things? I don't know. But they say do something. Right now, I was listening to uh, The World and Everything in It. If you don't listen to that podcast, it's a great podcast to listen to uh, for your news. It's from a Christian perspective. Uh, you will not be disappointed and in that podcast, they were interviewing someone who was an expert kind of on these sort of things. And what they said, well, what is NATO going to do? And they said NATO is going to begin to freeze the assets of key people in Russia. So what they're doing, they're going to, the key people, going to begin to freeze the assets of those key people who are around Vladimir Putin as the leader of Russia to try to put pressure on the Russians in order to withdraw and do what NATO would like to have done. So, you know, if you want to win a war, if you want to win in some way, you try to exert the most pressure, particularly against the person that you're trying to win against. And so Satan has been doing the same thing. He's been waging a war against humans, people from the beginning of our existence because he hates the Lord. He hates God and wants to destroy and pervert everything that God has said is good. Everything that God has said is good and valuable and precious. Satan wants to destroy and pervert. When Adam and Eve sinned, the first sin of the next generation was family murder. Brother killed brother. Cain killed Abel. Murder and perversion continued until God had had enough at seeing the wickedness of creation and flooded the earth, sparing only Noah and his family. And when you look at verse 7 of Genesis 9, it's essentially a restatement of Genesis 1.27 with one noted absence. So in the beginning, in Genesis 1.27, God speaks and he gives the commands, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth abundantly and multiply. Essentially that nine-seven echoes Genesis 1.27 with one noted absence. And the absence is to rule over, exercise dominion, subdue the earth. That's the absence between what was said in Genesis 1:27, rule over the earth, exercise dominion over it, and Genesis 9 and 7. So why should we note that difference? Why is that important to us to think about? When Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden... Essentially, they exchanged rulership and dominion for the fleeting taste of the forbidden fruit. They moved from rulers to slaves, and Satan moved from cast-out enemy to prince and power of the air. It was an exchange that took place from what God had originally intended. Once Adam and Eve had surrendered their God-given dominion to Satan, Satan's first act as prince and power of the air was to kill one of humanity's children, which he accomplished when Cain conspired to kill Abel. Do you see what happened? As soon as Satan got control, as soon as Satan came on the scene and tempted and Adam and Eve exchanged their dominion their rulership over the earth for the forbidden fruit. Satan begins to exercise his plan as prince and power of the air over the earth which begins with bloodshed. So from Adam and Eve Adam and Eve to Noah there was murder and bloodshed. And from Noah to Christ, there continued to be murder and bloodshed. Satan's war is against the image of God. When Christ was born, like Adam and Eve, he comes to the earth innocent, guilty of no crimes, no sin. As his ministry to humanity is launched in his 30th year, he also, like Adam and Eve, experienced the same temptation by Satan what they experienced at the dawn of creation. And the same tactic was really used there. Did God really say? And Jesus combats each temptation with the power of God's word, repeating, quoting from the scriptures at every temptation. At Jesus' death, once again, blood was shed. But this time it was completely innocent blood, God's blood. Splattered on the earth. Think about that for a moment. Reflect on what it means for God's blood to be splattered upon the earth. It's reminiscent of Moses' sprinkling of the blood on the Israelites at the inauguration of God's covenant with them. Jesus' blood brought a new and better covenant. He defeated the prince and power of the air. And as the God-man, he reclaimed the dominion that was originally humankind. He's now the rightful ruler who is in heaven interceding for us here as we await his coming to fully set things right again. Just like it took time for the full effects of Adam and Eve given in to Satan's temptation to be realized, so too Jesus' vanquishing of the enemy takes time to realize for those of us who are believers in our spirit, we know that we have been set free, yet in our bodies, we groan with the rest of creation for the fullness of God's plan to be realized. You can tell me your thoughts about it later, but this is why I think COVID is satanic in its origin. It seeks to kill the image bearers of God. It's a pestilence and a disease that has come upon the earth. We know that disease and sickness came as a result of sin. So ultimately, it certainly is from Satan. But I also believe it is a tool of Satan. And we can debate the philosophical and theological notions of that. But what I am trying to communicate is that Satan's goal is to destroy God's image on the earth, to destroy God's church, to destroy people who will give God glory in which he is enthroned upon on the earth. Satan destroys the image of God through war. He destroys it through abortion. He destroys it through racism. He destroys it through sickness. Any number of ways we can say Satan doesn't care as long as he is producing death and destruction. God said to Noah, when someone takes a life unjustly, their life shall be required as judgment. When Cain killed Abel, God said, it was Abel's blood that cried to God from the earth for justice. The blood of Abel that was spilled on the earth by his brother, Abel was innocent, not sinless, but innocent. His blood was spilled on the earth and the Bible says it cried out to God for justice. We think about this in respect to injustice in our day. We ought not be surprised at what we see in our culture because innocent blood cries out for justice. If we look back at two events, and the reason why I'm tying two things together in this message is because they're tied together in a culture, and I think they're tied together with respect to being image bearers of God, and that is abortion and racism. There are two sides uh, we'll talk about, uh, the two sides of uh, the same coin. After a slew of lynchings of African Americans in the mid-1900s, there was a call for justice, and some advocated violence. And Dr. Martin Luther King, who was celebrated, uh, his life's work is celebrated on Monday. He chose nonviolent means to seek change and justice. He was a, often you'll hear to him referred to as Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. He was, uh, he was a trained clergyman. And he said, Nonviolent resistance seeks to secure moral ends through moral means. In other words, it's seeking to bring about the morality that God has put within our hearts through a moral means. We're not going to seek to bring together the, uh, the races together, the different colored, uh, colors of people together through violence, he's saying we have to do it through moral, nonviolent means. And so I think that when righteous blood is spilled on the earth, the cry of justice is heard by both the saint and sinner alike. The cry of justice is heard by both the saint and sinner alike. Those who know Christ take up spiritual weapons to fight, as Dr. King did. And those who do not know Christ take up the weapons of their father, Satan, as well. Like Abel, King too was killed by his brother by a gunshot wound that ripped through his head. It was not his biological brother, but his human brother. Over the last couple of years, we've seen the cry for justice play out before our eyes. You see the cry for racial justice by innocent blood heard by sinful people, and it results in destruction and anarchy. When sinful people hear and discern the cry for righteous blood to have justice, Satan twists it. And it ends in destruction and anarchy. There is no clear voice today as it was in the day of Dr. King to call people to prayer and peace. Our day also sees another injustice, which is the genocide among the unborn. There's a cry in this country for justice from 70 million babies that have been murdered since 1973, just in this country. 70 million, what was the significance of 1973 when the Supreme Court uh, made the right to privacy include uh, the right to uh, abortion? That cry, the cry of righteous blood that has been spilled by 70 million babies, has also, also been heard by sinful people who reacted in sinful ways. Bombing abortion clinics, killing abortionists. But that cry has also been heard by those who take up peaceful means of prayer and nonviolent protest. And we can say it's coincidence, or maybe it is the Lord speaking to us, that Sanctity of Human Life Sunday and the recognition of Dr. King's work are recognized back to back in our culture. One on Sunday, one on Monday. Alveda King, Dr. King's niece, states this. Abortion and racism are evil twins born of the same lie. Where racism now hides its face in public, abortion is accomplishing the goals of which racism only once dreamed. Together, abortionists are destroying humanity at large and the black community in particular. The fact of the matter is that from the beginning, Satan has used murder as a device of choice. He's used murder as a device of choice. He ultimately doesn't care what color, doesn't care what age, born or unborn. It doesn't matter. His intent is to divide people and hide what is really happening, which is a spiritual battle to usurp the role and reign of Jesus Christ. Jay said it last week. I believe that racism is an unhelpful term because there's only one race, and that's the human race. People, no matter their age or color or mental capabilities, are created in the image of God to reflect his glory and goodness. Satan wants to destroy that by every way and means possible. In 1 John 3 and 15, it says, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Even hate without bodily violence is seen in God's eyes as murder because the hater hates God's image bearer. John elevates the discussion just as Jesus did in Matthew 5 from the outside actions To the intents of one heart. What is the intent of our heart on the inside? The intent of our heart on the inside. If the intent of your heart on the inside is anger and wrath at your brother, you've already committed murder and you're already shedding blood. And heart change can only come through a true relationship with Jesus. So here's the solution. If we want to stop racial injustice, get people saved. If we want to stop abortion, get people saved. If we want to stop unjust violence, get people saved. And so that brings us back around to the point of why we exist and why we gather together as a people in community and why the leaders of the church are asking us to pray and seek the Lord for our city is because we want to see the image of God created in its fullness and in its glory in our city to be saved, to be sanctified, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be moved upon by God, that people, no matter what color they are, come together and worship God, and he is enthroned on their praises. This is what the scripture speaks to us about. We've been fasting, we've been praying, we've been seeking the Lord, and we're towards what end we have to ask ourselves? We're fighting a spiritual battle that has raged on since Adam and Eve and our enemy is deceptive and he is cunning and he is focused on destroying God's image in the earth. This is why he wants to wreck families and wreck lives because it brings about anger and bitterness. What the Bible says is murder. This is why he wants to pull people away into their own desires, to their own lusts, into their own things because Satan is a murderer and the father of lies from the beginning. Brother Chris and I are... Uh, bringing back uh, uh, a um, podcast that we did uh, during the pandemic when we weren't really able to gather a lot together uh, the faith form and we talked about fasting this week uh, in it and in that uh, Chris shared about the scripture in Ezra that talks about Ezra uh, seeking the Lord for safe Uh, passage, and they gathered at the river Hava, and uh, they were fasting and seeking the Lord for safe passage on the journey that they were on. And it said, we gathered ourselves, our wives, and our little ones together in order to seek the Lord, to fast, and to pray. And God is calling us to do just that. Been interesting in our home and maybe in yours as well, but our children have uh, chosen to fast some things, not to fast completely. Um, uh, The little ones, uh, we don't force that on them for 21 days, (laughs) Uh, to uh, fast a few things. And some of them have said, well, we'll fast uh, uh, sugar or we'll fast sweets or those kind of things. And they take it seriously, they're learning beginning to develop in the children the habits of grace so that when they are older, they will begin. I know other children of other families that are doing the same thing, and it's been a beautiful thing for us, our wives, and our little ones to seek the Lord together. When we fast and when we pray, we seek the Lord and we're taking up the spiritual weapons to fight against injustice in our world. Because the injustice ultimately is an attack against our God. It's an attack against his image. It's an attack against his image bearers. And as we pick up those spiritual weapons and fight the spiritual battle for the glory of the king, we have the firm assurance that Satan will not be successful. If we tune out the talking heads and we discern what God is calling his people to pray and to seek him for, we will, will realize the beauty of what God is calling us to. Andrew Murray, in his book, The Ministry of Intercession, he's an older saint, he's passed on, is with the Lord. He had some great works on prayer. If you're interested in developing your prayer life, uh, Andrew Murray is someone that uh, you'll want Uh, to read, but he has a book called The Ministry of Intercession. And he talks about how there are some things that will not happen without the prayer of God's people. I understand that there is a relationship between the sovereignty and grace of God and the free will that we have to exercise and to seek God for things. I understand that there is a relationship between that, that God is sovereign and God is going to do what God is going to do. But if we resign ourselves in prayer and we simply uh, say that, well, I'm going to pray, but I don't really have to pray that hard. And I don't really have to pray that long. And I don't really have to pray that earnestly because God's going to do what God's going to do anyway. It really absconds us from any responsibility of following the commands of the Lord to seek him through prayer. And we become lethargic when we don't think it really matters if God is going to answer our prayers or not. Or then we try to pray and the prayers get answered in some other way and we try to explain that in some sort of super spiritual way when what we were praying for never happened because we were never earnest in our prayers to begin with. And I could put a mirror right here and preach it to the person I'm looking at. But I do believe there's a place that you and I can get to and you and I can live in by practicing the spiritual disciplines where our heart prays and we're seeking after God and we're earnest in our prayers and we actually see the change that the Bible talks about we ought to see that the disciples saw when they were filled with the Spirit and walking the streets of Jerusalem and their shadows fell on people and they were healed and there were thousands that were coming to see the Lord daily because of what was going on? Is that just Bible fluff or is that reality? These were people who had spent time with the Lord. And I believe as I read the scriptures and I'm seeking after God and I'm trying to understand what God wants us to do as a people, that God is calling us to be a people who pray and believe what is going to happen will come to pass. I believe that as we pray and we hear with righteous ears the injustice of spilled blood in our day, that we will pray and seek the Lord and ask him for resolution. And there can be resolution. And yes, there can be resolution in Charlottesville, Virginia. Are we resigned to what things currently are? that this is the way it has always been and this is the way it will always be. Our city will not know Jesus unless we pray and ask him to make himself known in our city. Study the history and course of revival. Study the history and course of spiritual outpourings. And what you will find over and over and over again is that it's a few people who begin to pray who believe that there is nothing else that can satisfy what is going on unless God intervenes and our passion is so so focused towards the Lord and God begins to answer in power and in might. No, we can just sit back and say, well, God was going to do it anyway. They really didn't have to exert that prayer. But every single movement throughout Christian history where there has been an outpouring and a fire has started by people on their knees interceding for God to bring a change. I'm not against holding up signs. I'm not against doing all those things. I'm not against any of those things. I think those are all well and good. I'm for writing your congressmen, writing your senators, calling the government. I'm for all those things. I'm for raising up leaders in this church that have become wonderful politicians who will stand firm in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is not going to change by laws. It is not going to change by litigation. It is not going to change by Supreme court decision things will change when the church is effective on its knees in prayer seeking after God and what we say with our lips that we're longing for becomes the reality of our hearts and nothing else will satisfy us until it comes to pass. A few weeks ago, we talked about Anna and Simeon. What was Anna and Simeon's heart's desire? Anna and Simeon's heart's desire was that they would see the Messiah. And I'm not going to pass from the face of the earth until my eyes have seen the Messiah. What do you want to see happen before you close your eyes and death? What do you want to see transpire? before your time on this earth is over. What are the spiritual things that are rattling in your heart and rattling in your soul that you want to see God bring together, that you want to experience? What I know is that even in this fellowship, God is touching some who are saying, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry for more of the Lord. I'm hungry for his presence. I'm hungry for an outpouring of his grace. I'm hungry. Are you willing to do what it takes in order to intercede and pray and not stop until God answers? Sometimes I think, sometimes I have to think up here behind the pulpit. <laughs> I have to think if what's in here should come out here. <laughs> and so I need the grace of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes personally, I think, are we. Are we are we trying to are we trying to do too many things? Are we trying to are we, are we just trying to go out in so many areas? East High, uh, Crozet, uh, here some of the missions things we're hopeful to do. Are we just is it just too much for too few? Or is God opening these doors? and 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 calling us as a group of people to intercede and to pray with things that we can't do on our own that only he can do through his power we all should give heartily and joyfully as unto the lord with our with our money what this brother and sister talked about to us today. We ought to we ought to give joyfully. If you're not joyful when you're giving, don't do it here. Please don't. Please don't. If you're happy to give, give it joyfully as unto the Lord. But it should be okay. <laughs> But your money will not make it happen. Your money will not make these things that we're praying about happen. Your money will not grow a church in Mead. Your money will not grow a church on East High. Your money will not help a church expand in Crozet. Your money will not do those things. It will not. We should give out of a heart of love for the Lord. And because Scripture calls us to do that as a fellowship, to sow into this body here, yes, I believe in all that. I do believe in all of that. But none of the things we're doing will not happen without the sincere, earnest, and focused prayers of this body of believers who are here. Do we see it? Do we believe it? Do we see a church here in Me? Do we see a church at East High that is growing and ministering in that inner city, that is bringing people From the wealthy neighborhoods and the poor neighborhoods, from the commercial districts and the residential districts, young and old, all different races, colors, whatever you want to say, God is bringing them all together to worship him. Do we believe in something out in Western Albemarle or do we just say, oh, that area is way too hard? Not going to go there. Others have tried and failed. This is where we must seek the heart of the Lord. Righteous blood cries out to us to seek resolution to injustice. And the way resolution to injustice comes is by people coming to Jesus, their heart being transformed, their minds being renewed through the washing of the water of the word, And thinking differently about who they are and who others are. This is why this is a gospel mission, what I'm sharing with you this evening. And so I'm going to call us to a time of prayer. Call us to a time of intercession. We'll spend a few moments here together, praying and seeking the Lord for our city. And what I'm going to ask you to do is pray and believe that God will act. Pray and believe. Get in your mind what you see in this congregation. What do you see happening? What do you see God doing and God bringing about? What do you see at East High? What do you see in Crozet? Pray and ask God and intercede and believe that what you are interceding for is from the heart of God and what he wants to come to pass we must believe that he will make himself known in our city we can pray and believe that the three abortion clinics in this city will be shut down not through laws although that is okay but what if they shut down because nobody went to them What if they shut down because nobody would come? Because people's hearts were so caught up to the Lord that they loved him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And they saw that conception of a child, no matter what the circumstances of the conception were, but they saw the conception of the child as being an image bearer of God. And one more image bearer is a good thing. Will you stand with me? Let's pray and seek the Lord and believe what we pray. The altars are here. We've said it many times. It's not necessarily anything special about this place, yet, in some ways, I do think it's special at these altars. There's been a lot of tears shed at these altars. A lot of prayers prayed here, whether it's in a worship service or through the week. I walk in and people are here praying. And so I think it is a special place, but you don't have to come forward if you don't feel led to do that. But I want to invite and open the altars to come and to pray and intercede. That we will believe and we will see a change to these injustices that we see in our city. That God would touch our hearts, that we would not let go until it changes many of you are familiar with the ministry of David Platt pastors up in Northern Virginia he wrote a book a few years ago called Something Has to Change Uh, I read the book in a very short period of time because it was very enticing in terms of what he was sharing and what he was uh, saying and he did a trek up in the Himalayan mountains through villages and things of that nature and there was human trafficking going on and all sorts of wicked things that were happening. And his viewpoint as he came back from that trek, being both physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally exhausted from him. But his words were, something has to change. Something has to change. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Interesting that he said that, isn't it? (laughs) A house of prayer. Over these last few years, as we've prayed more and sought the Lord more, I feel like I know less about prayer than what I thought I did years ago. Maybe that's a good place to be. Maybe you don't like to hear a pastor say that. But I know this, I'm hungry for more of the Lord. And the groans and cries of my heart, he's got to interpret it some way. But the existence that we're in, the place that we're in, the place our culture and society is in, something has to change. And it has to change through the church, through God's people. If we really believe, if we we really believe this, And that's a question we need to ask. If we really believe what it says, then we ought to really do what it calls us to do. So let's spend some time together this evening, praying and seeking him, asking him to intervene in our city in our world, to correct the injustices that we see around us, that we would pick up the spiritual weapons, and fight the spiritual battle, that God's name would be glorified in our city, our country, around the world, that his glory would fully cover the earth. So let's pray and seek him together tonight. Well, Heavenly Father, we cry out to you tonight corporately, Lord. We cry out to you, Lord Jesus, as a people. Lord, we are seeking you, Lord God. Lord, we believe in your presence. We believe, Lord, in the work of your Spirit in this day. We believe that you have called us to prayer, O oh God. We believe, Lord Jesus, that you are doing things which we do not even see or understand, Lord, at this moment. God, but you are calling us to pray and to intercede, Lord, to intercede, God. Lord Jesus, I believe that the... Righteous blood of people who are innocent is crying out, Lord, is crying out for justice. And Lord, justice can only come as people commit themselves to you, Lord Jesus, as they come to a saving knowledge of you, Lord, as people are transformed by the grace of your holiness, Lord Jesus, as people see what is happens is what said in Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2 that they had transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light God, we pray that that would happen in our city, Lord Jesus. We pray, oh God, we ask you, Lord Jesus, and we intercede, God. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that there would be just a wave of your Spirit that would flow over our city, calling people to you, Lord, breaking bondages, Lord, breaking strongholds in their life, that they would see the grace of Jesus Christ at work, that they would submit themselves to you, Lord God. Jesus, we pray. That for our city, we pray, God, for our church, Lord, that we would become a church of intercessors, not one or two intercessors, not three or four intercessors, oh Lord, but that we would be a church of intercessors, God, that seeks to see change, Lord, in our city, Lord, in our community, Lord, in our country, around the world, oh God, that this would be a place of prayer and intercession for your glory, that there would be transformation that happens happens, Lord, because of the prayers of the saints in this place, oh God. Lord, just as in the Old Testament, Lord, and they would cry out and pray, Lord, and you would Turn your uh, ears towards them, oh God. You would turn your face back toward Jerusalem. We pray, oh God, turn your face back toward your church. Turn your face, oh God, back towards your people, oh Lord. Help us to walk in the power with which they walked in the first century church, Lord. Help us to walk, Lord, in the grace and in the discernment with which they walked in the book of Acts that we read about, God. Convince us, Lord Jesus, I pray. Convince us in our our mind, O God, that those are not ancient things of long ago that won't happen again, but convince us, O God, that there is a present day outpouring for your people who hunger and thirst after righteousness, O Lord. Put that within our spirit, O God, and give us a taste, O God, that we would taste and see that the Lord is good, that nothing else would satisfy, nothing else would do for us once we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and our hearts would be drawn even more to prayer and to intercession, God, that as we pray and as we seek you, God, that things would begin to happen and things would begin to change. I pray, God, that in this fellowship, you will raise up Annas and Simeon's, Lord, who will want to be in the church day and night, night and day, praying and seeking after you, that your will would be done upon the earth, that your plan would be accomplished, oh God. I believe this is your call to us, O Lord. This is your call to us, O God. Think of the children, just in a five or 10 mile radius of this place. What some of them will see and experience Even over the next few hours, no child should ever have to see or experience. God, they need to be rescued. And Lord, you've called your church to be a place of rescue. I thank you, Lord. And I pray blessings upon those who are fostering, who are adopting, oh God, who are seeking to rescue, Lord Jesus. Oh God, I pray blessings upon them. It's not an easy walk. It's not high in the sky, Lord Jesus. It's difficult. But God, you've called them to rescue. I pray your blessings upon them, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that this church would be a haven. A place of rest, Lord. For children to come to know of your grace and wisdom. Lord, to grow in the fear and knowledge of you, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that those who are part of this church, Lord, they go about the work, they go about the responsibilities, that the people they encounter will not just be seen as a waiter at the table or a cashier in the store or an employee, or a boss, but as we, as we look at people, the lens through which we look, the glasses that we would put on would have a, a sign over every person's head that says, image bearer of God, image bearer of God, and when that person acts out, or is angry, or says something that they ought not, we see that person is an image bearer of God, and they're they're reflecting the anger and the bitterness that's in the culture because of injustice that has been that has been done. The heart is full of sin and bitterness, and they need Jesus. We have compassion, not anger, love and not bitterness. Jesus said to rejoice when they revile and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you, for great is your reward in heaven. Lord God, I pray in this fellowship that there will be some great rewards. Some great rewards from people who have endured, who endured faithfully. in order to share the gospel, to be a witness for your grace and for your glory. Jesus, we love you. God, I pray that for some of us tonight will be a time of commitment for what the next season of life needs to be for us. A season of intercession to see breakthrough. A season of intercession to see God's power and God's might on display, that a world in turmoil would come to know Jesus, that a city in chaos would come to know Jesus. That people who don't know their right hand from their left hand would come to know Jesus. So, God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. And thank you for your presence here tonight. God, I pray that you would rest a spirit of intercession on each one of us, that even as we get in our car and even as we get to our homes and even as we rest in our beds, that the spirit of intercession would not leave us. It would not leave us, Lord. And so we thank you, Jesus, for your presence and love. We love you. We exalt you. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.